Test, test, one, two, one, two. Welcome to the Embrace Matters of Race podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Wall, and I would like to start this very special episode off with a little game I like to call Truth or Gnaw. You guys ready? Here's how we play. I'm going to give you a scenario, and I'm going to say it as if it applies to my life. Mm. You guys can tell me either that's the truth or gnaw. How does that sound? Sounds great. You really do have a great voice for podcasting, Dom. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Am I too loud? No. You sound great. Awesome. Well, here goes truth and all. I can easily buy posters, postcards, picture books, greeting cards, dolls, toys, and children's magazines featuring people of my race. Truth or nah? Nah. I'm saying nah. Depends on what you mean by easily, but no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm postcards. just I, uh, postcards, I don't really think about buying anymore. But I mean, like, and, you know, are you, I mean, if you're referring to like posters of like professional athletes, I mean, yeah, like you have that or like, some some movie stars who, but, who are your race but of like like the typical products that you have like the generic person on the on the front of it it's normally going to be a white person mm -hmm. right it is that's fair yeah, that's fair okay. okay or you know when you go to like on trips you you wind up in a visitor center at a park or a travel lodge or somewhere where they have postcards uh, but you have that that rack where all the names are hanging on keychains. Oh yeah. Where's where where are the where are the names that you know that might be for Hispanic or brown people? Yeah. I never find one. But there's always like a Britney. Always find <laughs> Jessica. Yeah. Yes. Mark. James Stewart. I mean, I'll say that I never find my name on a keychain either. That's but... true. There are no <laughs> Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I would say the same thing for myself, but that's okay. We, yeah, <laughs> we have advantages elsewhere. That's right. That's right. Number two in truth or null: if a traffic cop pulls me over, or if the IRS audits my tax return, I can be sure I haven't been singled out because of my race. I can be sure of it. No. No, man. <laughs> No. <laughs> I, one of these got to apply to me, though. Maybe. <laughs> Here we go. In grade school, I learned history about my community's background and culture. Oof. Um, I'll say no, unless you learned about it in a negative context, probably. That's mm -hmm. fair. Yeah, or, you know, you got some local color from some some neighbor or something like that. Right, 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 right. I guess it's very like, very small doses of, of African-Americans were talked about in a history class, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just like maybe a handful of like the top people or the top well-known people of history, but in really- January. Yeah, exactly, just a very small percentage and it's just very, just grazing the surface, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
and not really digging deep to really understanding the roots of the culture uh, of, uh, you know, really the lives of African Americans. Or even where the proper credit was due. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Right, 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 right. I love it. I love how you guys are chopping this up. Um, here we go. Here's an interesting one. I can expect figurative language and imagery in all of the arts to testify to experiences of my race. No. No? I can't envision that. What, can you give me an example? Um, so in, in, the, in the arts, whether it be performing arts, visual art, uh, creative and you know, written uh, language, uh, the arts in that sense, I can expect to find art that speak to the experiences of my race. Okay. And all classes. Nuanced. Like going through art history, mm -hmm. I think only in recently in the last hundred years or so did we have this confluence of cultures. That's when you can start to see art right. uh, transcend different mediums, different cultures and different regions. But before that, it would be very difficult. Yeah. I'm sure it's difficult say, today, but way more difficult if you think historically. Yeah, I would say truth. I would say truth for the most part. I mean, in theater school, nah. Like, <laughs> there's, but the, to be fair, there's not that much work. There's mm -hmm. not that many African-American playwrights. So, you know, it's like, take your pick from these few here. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that's when you're talking about typecasting and not really breaking out of a mold. Mm -hmm. But even when you talk about uh, history and stuff like that, you know, we talk about a lot of things. We, um, you know, obviously we talk about Shakespeare uh, mm -hmm. as a playwright. And, you know, we talk about different eras of musical theater. Mm -hmm. But re very rarely do we spend a lot of time with uh, or at least when we spoke about blackface being an era, mm -hmm. a time period of musical theater, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't for very long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a, like cliff note. Almost. Yeah. Um, there's also just not that much, but like Carl said, it just kind of. Yeah. Um, and we can get really deep with that one, actually. So I'm going to stop. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Here's the last one. Here's the last one, y'all. I can easily find academic courses and institutions which give attention only to people of my race. Nah. You said easily? Is that the yeah. qualifier? Nah. Nah. I heard this is like literally one of those situations where I didn't read the article, I just read the headline, but I heard that VCU is talking about making like racist history a required course. Mm. But I mean, this is very new. <laughs> Love to teach that course. <laughs> uh, I would say this: this is this is a question here. Would these naws turn into truths if you guys said it? I'm speaking to Jay and Kelly Jane. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Besides the keychain one. <laughs> All, all Listener, if you're listening out there, I did not pay them to say these things. They're saying <laughs> it on their own accord. That's the double truth, Ruth. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, well, that was truth or no. 
Uh, we're going to keep it moving out here. I got some shout outs for you guys. Shout outs. Shout outs. Today's shout I got two, and they're both in the clothing business. Nice. And they're both young African-American entrepreneurs starting their own businesses. Let's go. Gra gr grassroots. That's what they call it, Jay. Yes. Grassroots. Okay. One of them being my cousin, T.C. Oh, cool. Chisley. Shout out to T.C. Chisley. He doing this thing. His business is called Black Envy. Black Envy okay. Clothing. Uh, I ordered a, a hoodie myself. It's hoodie season. So I ordered myself a hoodie. Oh, yeah. uh, you can check him out on Instagram at black.envy.clothing. That's black.envy.clothing. Check him out. Support that. That's what this is for. And last but not least, actually, someone brought this young lady to my attention. I don't know her at all. But somebody tagged her in one of our posts on Facebook. Oh, it was cool. like, hey, you should shout her out. And the, the girl was white. They said, you should shout out my friend who is a black business owner that's just starting her own business. I was like, wow, that's embracing right there. I like that. Yeah. But um, shout out uh, to Keisha Tinsley. Oh, you know her? Yeah. That's a familiar <laughs> I was like, he, he might know her. Um, uh, to, yeah, to Keisha, to, I'm sorry. To Keisha Tinsley, to Keisha Tinsley, she started a business called Cuddle Buddies. Aww. Yes. So she makes, um, like, I would, I don't want to call it pajamas, but it's essentially loungewear. Sweetwear. You know, you come home and you're like, I can't wear this work gear, but I do want to get into something comfortable. I'm at home. You know, I'm with my significant other. Uh, you, the, you hit up Cuddle Buddies. She makes loungewear. Uh, she makes uh, slippers and all types of stuff. Um, and she she doesn't make anything for men. So sorry, Jay. No uh, <laughs> no no cuddly pajamas for you. But uh, she does. She is making uh, pajama like esque loungewear. Um, so you can check her out at on IG Instagram at Cuddle Buddy underscore CB cuddle buddy underscore CB. There it is. There it is. I'm gonna so, follow that's the shout outs for today, y'all. Let's move on to our next segment. What's going on in the world? Kelly Jane. Oh, man. Every time you ask that question, there's always things that are going on in the world. <laughs> Just every time. Crazy. It Can the world stop. stop having something happening? Yeah, well, um, let's talk about Breonna Taylor and the conclusion of her oh, court. Yeah. I guess I don't want to say conclusion as in it's over, nothing can be done, but it does seem that that is what the judge wants <laughs> to happen, is that it's over. So, yeah, no arrests, no firing of the officers that were involved in her death um right. it seems like their charge was more about the property than the life and that's just what is the theme it feels like with black lives that people care more about the property than they do about the actual human 
Right. Right. Um, it's unfortunate. I can't say I was surprised. Yeah. I wasn't surprised. Um, I did read an article. Uh, I think it was, it was CNN. It was a CNN article. Hmm. The police officer who fatally shot Breonna Taylor is now crowdfunding uh, money to retire. Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure what? he's probably getting money. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I will say on the other side, uh, there are still protests happening. Mm -hmm. There are still peaceful protests, peaceful uh, mm -hmm. exercises that are happening mm -hmm. that hopefully soon will bring about some type of change. Mm -hmm. So that this doesn't happen again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. and prayers go out to Rihanna Taylor, um, her family, people, her, her loved ones, family, friends, all of that. Yeah. And for the city. Uh, yeah. It's just like, I mean, I understand that in a case like this where the, the police officer was legitimately being shot at, he was being shot at because the boyfriend of Breonna Taylor didn't realize that he was a police officer and thought their house was being broken into, which is a very logical conclusion, but right. he was being shot at. So that makes sense if he was responding in defense, but there just doesn't seem to be any like, like the weight of the fact that yes, you were reacting in self-defense, but you also killed an innocent person who wasn't attacking you. Like that just doesn't seem to like have any bearing at all. Right. And I mean, divorce. yeah, exactly. And I'm, I mean, it'd be difficult. Like, I suppose you can't say like, if you say, I'm sorry this happened, that implies guilt. And obviously he's trying to avoid that for legal reasons, but just some kind of statement just to express like, this was bad. This was unfortunate that this happened. Just something to show that her life mattered to him and that it matters to him that she's gone now because of his actions, like regardless of whether or not they were justified or not. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it looks like he's, I've, I've gone to the website there, um, the crowdfunding site, he's raised about $44,000. Wow. Oh my goodness. So he, so I'm sorry, he's raising money just because it's like, haha, now that people know who I am, I would like to retire and people will just pay for it. Like, why is he wanting to retire really? Yeah, I think it's just because of the, uh, the dismantled reputation that he has now, the psychological trauma having to deal with the threats that he's dealt with all that. Wow. Right, uh, wow. You know, um, <sighs> the, the handle and he's trying to retire, uh, which he had a yeah. handful of 75,000. So he's on, he's over half, halfway there. Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. How long, how long is that retirement? <laughs> well, how, how old is he? How long is that retirement? So like, Depends on how much you spend, but uh, but yeah, good question there, Carl. Um, but you know, usually police officers get pensions as well, especially after they serve over twenty years. Yeah, so he's probably got that wow. too help, uh, with the retirement. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know it looks like from the way the system is presented, a, lo a lot of the things there were the laws in place to where it, it made it seem like this was all 
you know, by the books and legal from mm. the walls of Louisville. Mm -hmm. I think right. it's better of the criticism of like the scrutiny that we now need to have for the system itself and the laws right. that we have in place to see yeah. Yeah. to prevent something like this from happening again. And then right. also, um, even when things are done in a way, quote unquote, that's legal, when something that happens like this that causes an innocent life uh, to pass, to perish, uh, there should be some ramifications for that. There should be some consequences. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's, you know, and I think we got to figure out a way, or this, the government, or somebody's got to figure out a way to like, to, to make sure justice is served in situations like this. Yeah, I think of, um, even think of movies sometimes. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind the quickest is Lethal Weapon 3 where um, Danny Glover's character, Murtaugh, mm -hmm. he, in, in a situation in which he could die, shoots a black teenager, right? And I think he, would, he probably would have had the same response no matter what the color, but the fact that he shot a kid mm -hmm. and killed them, devastated him. Yeah. Like if you watch that movie after he does that, it it takes his partner Riggs to like snap him out of it, to like almost wow. fight him. Mm -hmm. You know, to to like get him back on track. But like, you know, Murtaugh was like drinking after that. He wasn't going to work. Like wow. he was devastated. And hmm. that type of compassion, that type of response to killing a human being. I, I just wonder how different things would be if that if that was the response if that wasn't a movie response, right? Like a fictitious like if, if that was a real response from a from an officer. Yeah, I don't would think seeing all of this would things be different, you know? Yeah, I don't think it's unreal. Um, just from the abstract of what you you shared about the film and what I remember seeing it people do react respond that way to these shootings you know the uh i guess the the one who's doing the shooting you know they have remorse they have depression they go they they respond differently but you know mm -hmm. feel bad about it i think mm -hmm. where right. if someone in that role feels empowered and uh, and doesn't think that there are ramifications to the life that lost. Um, they just keep on going with the job, you know. We've right. already seen examples of those type of police or those type of people with that sort of authority. They just keep on going with it. I don't know if they deal with it, like in their hearts or not, mm -hmm. but it shows up as a pattern over their career. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I just feel like there's a deeper issue. Mm -hmm. And I will say even from a different perspective, and what I definitely want the listeners to understand is that we're not here to, we're not, we're not here to just judge. We're not judges. There's only one judge and that's God, right? Like I'm, we, we, we're not, the end all be all, we're not the rule. 
or anything like that. Um, we're just discussing these things and trying to put into the conversation things that Christ would endorse, like compassion, mm-hmm. right? Love yeah, totally. your enemy, right? Um, so if you're listening out there, uh, you may totally disagree. But what this podcast is even for is to think think outside of the jargon, think outside of the articles, the news, media, and just think about a human being not being here anymore. And that the response to that from these certain cops wasn't one of compassion. Is that not a problem? I could care less about the color. I mean, I care, but in the situation, yeah. The, the, res- the response wasn't compassion for what you've done. If you saw that from a child, you'd see that as a problem. So we have to start, you know, seeing it that way. And I think those officers, instead of just enabling this type of action, you know, they, they either, either there needs to be justice done or these officers need help. Right. I would say ultimately both. <laughs> both. Like I would say ultimately the latter because the latter allows mercy to be in the equation. And that's something also that Jesus endorses is that, okay, these fellas have a problem and they need help. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's justice in that too. Like justice will be done, but we're not the holders of justice. That's what I've learned. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. but you know, amen to that. I just, I pray for everyone involved, you know, yeah. everyone involved in that situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure the officer is going through a lot of trauma. I, I can't imagine the threats he's been getting in. I mean, yeah. I'm, I know that he did not walk into that apartment thinking that his whole life was going to change either. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, let's, let's get off of that. Uh, let's shake that off. Let's get off of that. Let's get to the next. Let's get to the next one. Uh, I mean, it's not much more sunshiny, but our president. Is this something I could at least poke some fun at? What do you say? Is this something I could at least poke fun at? I can't poke fun at anything in a Breonna Taylor announcement. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, potentially depends on. Yeah. Uh, did you guys like watch the debate? Watch the debate, or did you just oh. watch clips? <laughs> Oh, I watched it. Oh, yeah? I, I, I skipped it. I watched a bad horror movie instead. <laughs> I'm sure that was better. My, my family was essentially live tweeting it, like, over our family group me. And so I didn't watch it, but I was reading all other texts, and I watched the one clip of Trump refusing to denounce white supremacy. And so I feel like I kind of, I, I got the gist of it. I don't think I missed much. Man, this, <laughs> when they asked him that question, first of all, I have to break down this small moment. The look on Joe Biden's face when they asked him this <laughs> question and uh-huh. how Joe Biden panned to look at him. Yeah, if you're mm. listening, you can't see me, but he said, <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden is mad petty, and he he called. He told this man to he can, he told this man to shut up, 
and he called him a clown. He got that off. He got that both of them off in wow. his debate. He called him a clown. <laughs> I was thinking, hey, just fight him, Joe. Why don't you just wow, fight that's him? wild. Yeah, honestly, wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens next debate. But it's almost like what's left. Like you're 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 insulting each other. What's left? You might as well just yeah. Like, you know, moderate fair yeah. one. Gotta be there. Say it again. What do you say about the, the moderator didn't do a great job. That right. there there are agreed upon standards of decorum entering from all parties uh, of this debate. Historically, yeah. that's been the case. Right. Um, unfortunately, it's it's been rare to have anybody other than just a couple black people in debates or women in these debates, but they were not gentlemen. Not at all, not by any means. And the moderator didn't really remind them of, of what they agreed upon until maybe an hour or so into the debate. Mm. Yep. It lacked moderation. There were questions asked, but I think it was it lacked moderation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Uh, who should be the moderator next time? Like, you know. You know who I feel. Tell me. Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, <laughs> I, I literally somewhere. Uh, I know I saw it on Facebook, but I swear I said it before I saw it. I said it to my wife and I was like, <laughs> yo. You know Samuel Jackson have everybody quiet in there. Like, <laughs> you, there's no way you can, because Trump kept talking over the moderator when the moderator tried to, like, snap him back into place. But you're not, you're not talking over Samuel Jackson, especially oh, wow. cursing you out. And I don't condone cursing, but <laughs> Samuel Jackson is, is going to, like, I've just never heard anyone curse before, like, curse like him before. And... If he were the moderator, it might go a little differently. I don't know why <laughs> politics is trying to be all professional, like they, you know, in the suits and stuff. But they're like acting like they're in the back alley. Yeah. Where they're talking to each other. Yeah. Those memes that were like talking about how Chris Wallace shows that kindergarten teachers are underpaid <laughs> because they were just acting like children. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yes, the um, this is Embrace Matters of Race. So the matter of, you know, the question that was asked to him about denouncing white supremacy, mm -hmm. the answer that popped into this man's head was, uh, and he was speaking to the, I guess, the, the proud boys of the world. He was talking to other white supremacist groups. Um, we don't have time to name them all. Um, I don't know, are, are the Boogaloo boys in that, in that too? I don't think that they would self-identify as white supremacist. I think they're just anarchists more than anything. That's fair. Um, the answer that popped into this man's head was to tell them to stand back and stand by, but we we got to do something by, about Antifa and the right. Oh right. I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember L is for liberal and for left. That's how it makes sense in my head. But yeah, no, that moment was so crazy. Like he was, the moderator was like, are you willing to con uh, denounce white supremacy? And he's like, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? What, blah, 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 blah. And instead of just being like, oh yeah, right. White supremacy is bad. 
And what scares me so much about that is like, why didn't that question, why wasn't that question directed to both candidates? Mm. I.e., why is it so normal and obvious to everyone that Trump has influence over white supremacist groups? And why are we not very alarmed by that? I mean, I'm sure some people are, but that's right. just such an obvious, like, why do you feel comfortable with your president being kind of like the hero of these groups enough to where he would have the influence to say, to tell them to stand down, which he chose not to. <laughs> he told them to stand by. And I don't know if that was a Freudian slip or what, but like, especially in this day and age, I'm just like, you know how quickly it would spread? Like if you just, if Trump had just decided to tweet, like, sorry about last night, guys, white supremacy is bad. I misspoke, my B, like, sorry, it was up there. Didn't he do that? Did he? Didn't he back? The, I think he. I think he backed. He backed off of that. He said, "I misspoke. I don't even know who the Proud Boys are." What? I didn't see this. I'm gonna look it up. Man, this. He ain't even. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is this is what I'm glad you brought that up. What you said, Kelly Jane. But I, I have a good number of friends who are Trump supporters, and I think there's a difference between someone who, and this is my belief, you can kill me if you want, but don't kill me. Um, but I think there's a difference between someone who voted Republican or just supports whoever that candidate is mm -hmm. because they, they agree with the ideals of a quote unquote Republican, right? And someone who is a Trump supporter, mm -hmm. right? Who we would call someone who's a Trump supporter, who wears the MAGA hat, who, um, you know, flies the Confederate flag or the Trump banner or whatever. Like those, I think those are two different things. Because um, whereas we were seeing with people who vote Republican are really turned off by this dude, mm -hmm. right? To, even to the point where they're like, I, I may be forced to vote outside of my party because of it, right? Yeah. Then you have the Trump supporter. I have a good number of friends who are Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. Are they? Go ahead. Are they? Are they? So there's always this election cycle that we have to deal with every four years. Right. And our current president is up for election again. Um, and he's gained a following. But were they the same people four years prior to this lot to the last cycle 2016 you know are they were they a fan of that candidate mm. or were they part of the party you know the, the, the flavor changes every season right you know are they just going for the same bucket or are they going for what's in it right you know will well, they follow that wherever it goes right I think when I talk about people who vote Republican, they, they voted Republican the first term mm -hmm. and now are like, uh, I don't know. But I think there are some people who are like, oh, I'm with this. I like this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but um, I, think I lost my point. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but there, there, are <laughs> there are friends of mine who are Trump supporters uh -huh. and, you know, that are white and I feel like there's a disconnect with me. There's something I don't understand. And that's why 
I feel like even this podcast is something that we address constantly is that how can we be friends? How can we be as close as we claim yet you still endorse this man, like really endorse this man and you're going to vote for him no matter what. And you're like, and it's just like, if we were standing beside each other in the street Mm -hmm. and Trump came up, I I believe fully that this man had me killed. Honestly, like that's something I just like, yo, Trump would probably have me killed. Wow. He don't like me because of the color of my skin. He'd have me killed. Yeah. You being a Trump supporter, would you just stand and watch? Is that something you support? That's a that, that's an honest question. If you're listening and you really support Trump, which I'm glad you're listening, that's a real question because I'm I'm sure there's a lot of Trump supporters that have friends. I mean, this this sounds super cliche, so and I hate it, but who have friends who are African American. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who support Trump who swear up and down that they don't have a racist bone in their body or they're not prejudiced, but there's something going on. There's there's something yeah. about what Trump is spewing that's either okay. either it's tapping into something that's always been there or it's turning your heart to mm-hmm. to, to, to to those things mm-hmm. so i'm confused i'm like how can you know i be i've been in your house i've, I've ate at your table you know we've we've broke bread together you know i it's, it's you know we had this relationship yet none of that matters mm-hmm. and at the most extreme you're sitting by watching your friends be killed off at, at the most extreme. I'm not talking about the most extreme right now. Right. You're just watching the extermination of people who, who you claim to care about. I don't get, I just don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think people tend to just see politics in different ways. And like, I'm sure that your friends who support Trump there's obviously just some disconnect that you you are seeing the connection. You're seeing Trump is a racist. I'm black. Why are you supporting him? I don't I don't know what their thought process is, but they just might be thinking about the policies or like the economy. Yeah, or, he's a businessman. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if if you are listening and you support Trump, it doesn't automatically make you a horrible person. We're just hoping we can just have some empathy and like understand why this leader is so scary to minorities. And it's not like, we're clearly not making it up if on national television during a campaign, he refused to just simply say mm-hmm. what sometimes he is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we need to have some empathy as well. Mm-hmm. And be willing to be very uncomfortable to get through the superficial um, preferences. It's like, we need to understand why, you know, ask the right questions, you know, let, let guards down, let there be no defense, let us not be defensive, even right. from the get go. Um, right. Try to, start to understand why this is a preference for them, why they, choose a particular party, why they choose a particular person. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll, if we get deep enough, we'll hear some rationale that is is valid. 
um, and then we can agree to disagree, but we're, but what, to what end will, will this impact the rest of history, the rest of the next four years, the rest of our generation? Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Carl, because there's definitely two sides to every coin that need to be addressed in situations like this. Yeah. Yep, yep. I want to say one more thing and then I want to uh, get off of this. OJ. Yeah, actually, I was just doing a little bit of uh, internet searching on this. You know, just checking to see has Trump ever condemned white supremacists? You know, like this whole, as the, out of the fallout of this whole thing that happened at the debate. And, you know, it looks like when the, uh, when the rally in Charlottesville happened, mm-hmm. you know, after, of course, afterwards, he, he made some comments, the famous both sides comment, yeah. uh, basically saying that, you know, both groups are to blame, though, um, you know, really, uh, he failed big time there uh, to condemn white supremacy. Later on, uh, a few days later, uh, he, he, uh, he issued a statement on August 14, 2017. He said that the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. So... At least he's had a moment where in the past he has condemned white supremacy, albeit it's like before he even got to that point of doing that, he made some, he made some other comments that were very questionable mm-hmm. uh, and then probably was prodded or advised to, to, to issue a statement. twisting. Uh, clarifying, right, and uh, clarifying these things. And so maybe we'll get another statement from the White House in the next few days about, about all this. Uh, kind of like that, similar to the one we had after the Charlottesville rally. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hope that that's genuinely him. Um, and I hope for whatever reason, <laughs> his heart can change or turn about the things that's been happening. I, I hope that we can start to see some change um, in politics. But that's just hope right now. Uh, I want to say this one last thing and I want to get off of this and, and move on. Um, I think that we, we as a culture, like we as a people, and I, th- I think that a, we need to do a cancel culture episode immediately mm. because the moment this debate ended, I immediately saw memes, posts condemning the other side. And this is, I'm not, I promise I'm not caping. I'm not caping for Trump supporters. I'm not caping for non-Trump supporters. Some Trump supporters. I'm, I'm, caping. Oh, I'm so sorry. What does that mean? Caping. That Side note. Caping means that I am, you know, who, who wears capes, Kelly Jane? Superheroes, Batman. Superheroes, right? So if I'm caping for somebody, I am saving them. Like I'm like standing up for them. Mm, okay. Right? Like I'm like I'm like supporting and like saving them from any type of backlash. Like I'm, oh. I'm you know, that's what caping is. Okay, nice. I'm gonna use that tomorrow. <laughs> you please <laughs> use it. So I'm not caping for no side, right? But this podcast had an episode about how to turn arguments and negative things into opportunities of listening, understanding, and finding some type of common ground. 
I understand what Trump said was wild. I understand that. Like, I thought it was wild. But when we start to immediately say things like, if you vote for Trump again, you are a white supremacist. That, like, the connect, I understand. Like, first of all, I understand. But the but to connect someone to something so hateful because of a vote, I think that's wild too, in my opinion, because that's their free choice. That's their free choice. Everybody in this country gets a vote. They get one vote. I'm not going to look at anybody in any type of way if they vote for Trump again. That's their, that's their free right. Just like it's my free right not to vote for him. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, I can't take that away from anybody. Yeah. Now, I have questions for the person sure. who, who votes for Trump again. If you vote for Trump again, I got a lot of questions. I just want to understand. I, just, I need to understand. But I'm, I am not the judge. I'm not here to condemn you. I don't know your heart. Who is the one that searches hearts and knows the deep waters of our hearts? It's not man. Yes, Jay, it's God. It's not us. How can I, how can I judge somebody like that? How can I be like, you're a terrible person because you did X, Y, and Z? Well, you can't say that, but because of a vote? I, I mean, honestly, I mean, we're getting too much into something that's that's not this. Right. But I cannot judge you based on who you vote for. I can't. And it's my job to continue to pursue love in all of my relationships. That's the point. So if you're listening, the charge is this. You are to love your neighbor regardless of who they vote for. Because mm-hmm. if you start to hate your neighbor because of who they vote for, you're just spewing the you're just spewing the same hate. We're now yeah. divided once again. I'm gonna tell you like this: Black people just want unity. <laughs> we we don't mean we don't mean to be the cause of this <laughs> or some somewhat stuck in the middle uh-huh. of all this. Yeah. Right. We just want unity. So you know that like this cancel stuff is why we gotta we gotta dive deep on cancel culture. Yeah. We got to. I'm off it though. Um. Yeah, let's let's move on. 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 Um. So our main squeeze today, uh, it's white privilege two electric boogaloo. It's it's a. It's a subdivision. It's a subgenre of white privilege. In order for you to understand white privilege more, y'all, we got to talk about the power of what's normal. Okay? Last episode, we talked about white privilege. We talked about, uh, on a surface level, what white privilege is. Now we're talking about what does this look like every day? Maybe you don't see it. And honestly, a lot of it, I don't see. Like, I don't notice. I don't consciously notice it every day as a black man. I think I'm just numb to it. It's just, it's normal. The power of normal. You see where I'm going? Yeah. I see where you're going. I have a insert from an article written by Corey Collins. 
I'm going to read it. It says white privilege could be found in day-to-day transactions and in white people's ability to move through the professional and personal worlds with, with relative ease. But some people of color continue to insist that an element of white privilege included the after effects of conscious choices. I want y'all to pin that, conscious choices, okay? For example, if white business leaders didn't hire many people of color, then white people had more economic opportunities. Cause and effect, okay? I'm gonna break from the article just to depend that. Meaning, if the, this white business, white business CEO, he has a staff of all white people, maybe he, maybe he hires two black people, that means there are statistically more white people getting a job in a certain area. There's more opportunities offered to them than a person of color. You follow me so far? Mm-hmm. So having the ability to maintain that power dynamic in itself was a white privilege and it endures, okay? It endures how? Legislative bodies, corporate leaders and educators are still disproportionately white and often make conscious choices also in laws, hiring practices and discipline procedures that keep this cycle going. That's how it's endured all these years. Mm -hmm. People are making conscious choices that impact how much privilege you have in your knapsack. The more complicated truth, white privilege is both unconsciously enjoyed and consciously perpetuated. It is both on the surface and deeply embedded into American life. It is a weightless knapsack and a weapon. That is by Corey Collins. I know that was a lot to break down, but just off the surface, what have, what are your thoughts on that article on the surface? My immediate reaction is just like, taking in how cyclical and exponential it is like just in the same way that wealth uh the more wealth you have the more wealth you can build and it just you know raises exponentially from there and i think it's the same with privilege because if you have the white privilege of looking quote-unquote professional because you have naturally straight hair as opposed to curly hair or dreads or an afro and then you get hired for this like corporate job. And then that means you have more opportunities and more opportunities from there. And like, you can have like a nice house and a nice car and that's like a privilege in itself. And just yeah. all those things. Um, it, uh, it's just really unfair. <laughs> yeah. It's unfair to everyone else. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is that it's normal. What's normal for you may be an obstacle for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I have a lot of examples, but I, I want us to break down the feelings about this article first. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll put in a hook to what Kelly Jane said about exponential 
like red redlining was decades ago and there's still impacts to that the way communities are developed mm -hmm. uh, because of policies that were made not just for government but but for companies lending companies um black people aren't able to afford certain neighborhoods or the neighborhoods that they are able to afford mm -hmm. now are of much less quality than other um than than their white counterparts yeah uh, or, or, or i'll not say minorities but people of color um new york times came out with an article uh almost a couple months ago talking about climate change and if you if you go to a neighborhood anywhere in, in our city you can see the differences in the way the property was developed mm. and Gilpin Court or Mosby Court, there are no trees in between right. the buildings. And on average, the temperature is much higher there in the in the summertime. Whereas if yeah. you go to Bellevue uh -huh. or Windsor Farms, where they have boulevards and medians and it's all tree lined with shelter belts, those people yeah. are cooler there. And they're able to enjoy the outdoors more safely. Um, because of because they're not impacted by the heat so much um, and, and right. it just goes on so it's going to take a long time to fix all that and then the right. culture of nepotism that we have in our companies you know um, a lot of people talking about referrals or bringing in their buddies the spoil system all that that carries on as well and other than quitting or getting fired you can't really replace those people with people of color, because uh, that's unfair, because uh, it wasn't their fault exactly, but it's it's gonna be a long time before all this stuff starts to be fixed and before we start to notice it. Right, that's great insight, Coral. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is like, as we read here in this article, that this idea of the conscious choices and the aftermath of those choices, in the same way in order to reverse this and really try to find reform in, this, in, in these areas, to combat white privilege, it's going to take more conscious conscious choices. So I don't know why I'm having trouble saying that, <laughs> but but, anyway, um, <clears throat> but excuse me, but uh, yeah, conscious choices, and then the time it will take, as Carl was saying, with that, uh, you know, over time having a, a, an impact for good uh, and, and and reversing some of the wrongs here. But uh, also, a, a thought that came to mind while listening to this article was. A quote somebody had in a podcast I'd listened to, uh, basically an African-American pastor who was being interviewed on a Christian leadership podcast. And he had said, uh, being an African-American in this country, you have to get a PhD in white culture. Mm. Whereas a white person doesn't have to uh, get an associate's degree in African-American culture. Yeah. It made me think about what you said about what's normal. Yeah. For for some people is not for others and right. and that's the thing is that the adjustment that somebody has to go through who is who is not white and uh in this country uh, and that's that's at a disadvantage to them and i guess that and that in turn leads to the privilege that that white people have wow yeah yeah i have some more examples um and this is not a <clears throat> i mean the the point is 
just what it is, is that, uh, or at least what, what I hope, if you're listening, what I hope happens is that your eyes are just open to these everyday things, these normal things that, that build our reality, that build our culture here, that we've just lived with. And I think the more that you see it, the more compassion should grow, right? Yeah. Because obviously, me as a black man, I'm not, I'm not asking white people to change these things. I'm not asking white people to do something. I didn't start this pod for white people to listen, for me to be like, do something, you need to do something. That's not what this is. What I hope to do is, especially those who are like, I wanna be an ally, I am an ally, it's important for your eyes to be open to the truth, right? Um, have you guys ever Googled face beauty or handsome man? Mm, I have not done that. If you Google on any of those things and go to images, it is all white people. I think for handsome man, I saw an Asian man before I saw a black man. Um, for, be- for face beauty, the first picture, so that looks like a black woman, but I'm not sure if that's a black woman. It just looks like she has a lot of makeup. She looks very tanned. I'm not sure. Her hair, I, I just don't know. Yeah. But that's, just, <laughs> that's a Google search. Wow, it's literally, they're so white. <laughs> There's one black woman amongst like 100 white woman, women. The token, which should be another episode. Yeah, totally. You'll see. We're going to get to that. But if you if you Google handsome man, I think the first the first picture is uh, the vampire guy. The vampire dude. The vampire man is the Robert first. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. And so, it's playing uh, Panic at the Disco guy for Batman, right? 2021. <laughs> I'm 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 dead from I didn't even have to say his name. I just said vampire dude, vampire man, and you knew. Um but yeah, those are that's a that's for me it's just like I'm numb to it. Like, I mean, first of all, I'm not looking up handsome man or face beauty. But the right. fact that that's a search, like if uh, if let's say a child wants to look up, you know, beautiful people. Those are some of the, the, the images that's gonna come up. Mm, and what if this yeah. child is African-American? They're gonna think they're ugly because there's no pictures up there that look like them. Yeah. That has an impact on people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that was one of the the things, you know. Um, yeah. It, uh, you know, um, the the police, Minneapolis police killed George Floyd during an arrest based on allegations he had used counterfeit money, mm-hmm. right? They killed him. Dylan Roof the 21-year-old white supremacist who murdered nine members of a black church group 
in a targeted hate crime, right, was not only arrested alive and unharmed, but later taken to Burger King because he said he was tired and hungry. Wow. This is the open guys if you're listening. This is, I, this is, this, this episode is not to make you feel bad about being white. And that's another episode that I feel like, you know, I mean, white fragility, we'll probably have a part two to that. This is not to make you feel bad. It's just to open your eyes at what's going on around you. Yeah. There's a lot. I could spend all day. Listen, if you're listening, type in everyday examples of white privilege and you'll get the list. There's a lot. There's a lot. If I should, if I should need to move, I can pretty sure, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing a house in an area which I can afford and in which I want to live. I think Carl, you touched on that a little bit earlier, talking about redlining and stuff like that. But yeah, that is the the everyday of what's normal for you may be an obstacle for others not just not just my normal is different from your normal it's just like no what's normal to you may be something that hinders me wow it holds it actively holds me back yeah that's what we that's what we're talking about when we break down white privilege it may not be something that you're actually actively or consciously doing right it's just these are privileges allotted to you because of your skin and that's not fair to you, to be honest. I mean, it's not fair to us. It's not fair to you. Because you're not the enemy. Mm, wow. <laughs> Let me say that again. It's not fair to us and it's not fair to you. Mm-hmm. Because you're not the enemy. We wow. have to work together on this. We have to work together on this. We have to Can support I one another. Say something about that really fast? Yeah. Uh, one of the most striking things that um, I remember from when, you know, back in March, April, when I had just started reading all mm-hmm. sorts of things about white privilege, et cetera. But um, one of the biggest things was that you believing in your own white supremacy and therefore everyone else's like uh, lesser value as a human or dehumanization, like that takes away your humanity too. Like it, yeah. that makes you less human because you lose that part of yourself that's open to other people as people like God made us all equals God made us all in his image and so for me to believe that I'm above anyone else is cutting off my own humanity and I just thought that was really profound right yeah um there's just a couple of things you know uh just recently uh Yara um Yara Shahidi uh, was cast as Tinkerbell. Uh, if you know, I think it's Shahidi. It's mm-hmm. Yara Shahidi. She was she's an actress on the show Blackish, and she also uh, has a spinoff Grownish. Um, amazing actress. She just got cast in a live action uh, Peter Peter Pan and and Wendy movie that's coming. Aww. She got cast as Tinkerbell. That's cool. People are furious. Um, That's ridiculous. That is super ridiculous. 
Hallie, Hallie Bailey on the same show. Hold on, before you get to your point, Jay. Okay, Hallie right. Bailey on the same show, Grownish, right? She's in the same group with her twin sister. She was cast as Ariel not too long ago for the live action Little Mermaid. People are furious. Go ahead, Jay. Okay, for anybody who's ever mad about somebody's African American getting cast as Tinkerbell or Ariel or, or what have you, um, come on. Get, yeah, just come on. Yeah. All right. Look, why don't you just Google uh, Lawrence Olivier, Othello? Right. Or Orson Welles, Othello? You know, and you see, you can see so many of these different examples throughout uh, history of Hollywood of, of white people playing roles they totally should not have been playing. Mm. So we've, we've, white people have done enough. We've, we've done that for far too long. Okay, let's just take a seat. Let's just, right. you know, and not, and just be quiet. Might I add that black people didn't ask for this. This is Disney's agenda. I don't know if it's a positive agenda or not. I don't know if they're doing this because they understand that the black dollar is pretty heavy. And they know that this is going to bring black dollar to them. Or they're doing it because they're like, hey, we want to diversify some of our classics. I don't know. I don't know if it's a positive situation. I'm going to watch it. But I was going to watch it anyway. Here's the thing. I was going to watch it anyway. Um, I think it's cool. I, I, I think I, I am in more in love with the fact that these African-American actresses are getting work. That's more I care about. I'm like, that's awesome. Like your career is moving forward. These are big roles. Kudos to you. Right. As, as an actor. Um, I don't think I have too much more about this. I honestly just wanted to talk through some of these examples, examples, examples. Goodness gracious, people are going to kill me about that example. Golly, first is the cookies, the <laughs> Titans. Every time someone listens to an episode and I say something wrong or do something, they call me. You want some help with that? <laughs> people are petty, man. Don't 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 let it get to you. They're gonna. Here's gonna hate me down. If you know me and you pull up on me and say examples to you, I might fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I might just, I might just flip out. I've heard worse. It is great. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to talk through these examples, but lastly, before we get off this topic, and we can move to uh, Jay's hit picks before we close. Um. If there is something that could be done, what could be done? Like, what can be done if something could be about these things, about these more day-to-day things that just like, wow, these things kind of turn out for my favor rather than someone else or vice versa? Yeah, that's a great question. I I have a perspective. Um, so... Just think about Jesus. He was pretty marginalized. And um, I think this will be an unpopular uh, opinion, but Jesus made himself low, like the lowest of lows in order to help change people. And for me, I'm not saying that I should 
grovel or be a doormat or anything like that. But, you know, I think I need to recognize my place in the world um, and recognize my, my place before God. He loves me. He has many, many thoughts about me. He knows the, the number of the hairs on my head, but I'm, I'm merely just one and so many billions of people. And if I can just be humble, if I could just be uh, willing to go through, uh, as I mentioned before, the, through the discussions, the uncomfortable feelings yeah, and receive the, the hurt, the blows, the, the names, the, the treatment in order just to show one person one thing about my experience or the experience of many other people, people of color or underprivileged people or aggrieved groups, um, perhaps that'll change them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being willing to go through the fire for people. Yeah. I like that. There's just like no rule that, um, well, I'm just like envisioning a grocery store, like what we were talking about um, before we started the podcast, we were talking about grocery stores and how like there's one small aisle for, for international foods and everything else is just like pretty classic American. But I mean, like logically it makes sense, I guess, because proportionately there's more white people than any other minority, but that doesn't mean that there's like not a huge presence and therefore there's just no rule that says that our grocery stores have to be proportionate to the population. Um, and I, I guess I'm just thinking about like, just how beautiful it would be like if, if white people not appropriated, but embraced and celebrated mm. the cultures that are around us. And like, if we, something I've been really into recently is just the idea that our, every dollar is a vote towards what you want society to be like. And if you're against prison labor, don't buy things that are made with prison labor. Um, and one of the things that white people can do is uh, maybe increase the demand for these like, you know, cultural things that we're not, they're not for us, but we want to support their availability. We want to support their affordability. Um, and so we can, buy, I don't know what that looks like on a day to day, but I think it'd be really cool if there was like a whole mass movement of white people that um, increase the demand for, I don't know, black cultured food or hair products or that sort of thing yeah. so that it's more available. Yeah, most there definitely. Like recently, but I haven't seen much since. Wait, sorry, say that again? Oh, there was a small spike for uh, championing black owned businesses, black owned. Oh, yeah. You know, you saw yeah. lists of businesses locally and globally. Um, but it's still hard to find out who those are. That's why uh, we have a podcast. <laughs> and that's why we do our shout outs. We do our shout outs, most definitely. Um, but you guys hit it most definitely. Um, those sound like great, great starts to, to change. Um, and I, I hope if you're listening, you take that to heart. Um, and just remember that you know, you have no idea what the person next door is dealing with. Right. Um, 
keep forgetting the good stuff that my brain thinks up. Um, but yeah, let's uh, keep it moving. Uh, Jay, it is time for your hit picks. All right. Hey, y'all. Welcome, welcome. Yes, hit pick time. And uh, we don't have any theme music yet, but no. hey. It's you got a rap for us, Jay. Wow, Just okay. a, a hit pick Please rap. Don't. Listen. Do it. <laughs> Please don't. No. Mm, turn the music up. Turn me down. I'm in my it's zone. It's too late. It's happening. We but, need. Yeah, you better. Click it up. <laughs> you don't have to do this. Like... Pick it. Yo, I'm around my white picket fences. Okay. Um, so to close. Okay. Anyway. Um... <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah. All right. I'll stop the rapping. Okay. That was freestyle, y'all. All right. I'm here all night. Uh, anyways. <laughs> but yeah, so hey. So, you know, thinking about just a, a you know, what we were talking about before we recorded was just thinking about, hey, let's let's watch a movie and then review that movie together yeah. that might have themes that are connected to the kind of uh, stuff that we talk about here on this podcast that could help uh, maybe, you know, help us to have greater understanding about the themes that we were, the different topics we were addressing on the show. And I was torn between two different films and I think I'm going to go with the one that is, maybe it doesn't seem as connected, but I think there's a lot of great themes that are addressed that are worth discussing that yeah. are tied into uh, our, our, our show and to the topics we talk about. There's a film in, from 1966 called The Battle of Algiers. Mm. This is a, an Italian Algerian film and it's basically going over the incidents and the events of the Algerian war from 1954 to 1962, basically around that time frame, and, and so this film was released uh, just only a, a just a few years after the events of this war. Mm. And so this is very relevant to uh, what what was going on at the time, and it's even got this look to it, this rawness, this this uh, sh this dynamic uh, quality to it, with the cutting mm. and the editing and the and the way the, the camera is held throughout, like on the streets. Uh, of Algeria, got this Italian neorealism look, like a documentary style mm. uh, uh, film. Uh, you, you wonder, is like, am I watching the, the real events unfolding here or not? And I think the reason why this is so relevant uh, that we could really apply to like here is that it, it deals with, um, you know, basically a conflict involving uh, France and, and, and uh, Algerians, Algerians who are Arabic, right? Yeah. You know, um, and, and so you've got a clash of races there. So you've got that, that issue, as well as the fact that this all stems from you know, colonialism. And, and Algeria was fighting for their independence because, uh, you know, from France, as France had, had ownership over the country um, for, for many, many years uh, prior to this war. And, and so it's kind of like this idea about what do you, you know, when you see an oppressed group trying to fight back to to really take sense of what what is their own and what's been taken from them and, yeah. and claiming their identity and then you have the uh the oppressor uh you know having to fight back and kind of respond to the to to the uh, you know the the fighting and really and really the just the 
the work that's done to try to uh, mitigate the situation, to try to um, uh, calm everything down. It's just really interesting how they work through so many details and, and uh, different methods to try to um, stop the Algerian uh, fight for independence. Yeah. And, uh, it's a really fascinating film. It's one of my all-time favorites, probably my top 20. Uh, it, 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 is, uh, you know, it is a really energetic, dynamic film. Uh, I recommend we check it out. I've got it on Blu-ray. I'll pass it on to you all. And you can look for it on the Criterion channel on that streaming service. It's, it's on, uh, you know, most platforms you can access the Criterion channel. It's a subscription service, but uh, it should be on there. And, um, and you can also probably find it at your local library. But it's, it's, a great, it's a great film. I think also just because of like this whole idea of embrace matters of race, right? I, I think, you know, specifically coming from being American, right? Uh, growing up, in the 9-11 and post 9-11 world. Uh, I right. think that uh, there was, and even dealing with the fact that like as a, as a kid, we had the Persian Gulf War, we had the war in Iraq uh, later on in my teenage years, battle of, uh, war of Afghanistan. There was, you know, always this uh, stigma against, um, you know, Middle Easterns, uh, Muslims, uh, mm -hmm. that uh, seemed like they, they were ostracized and marginalized in many ways in America. Uh, in the, the post 9-11 world and uh, but I think it's it's great when you get a chance to look at films now granted of course Algeria is not the Middle East but there's still that connection of of of, of uh, you know you know Arabs basically here right and right so, uh, there's that connection there and it's like uh, I think with film with international cinema you get a chance to be able to empathize with with people of a different race of a different nationality than you and be able to really walk in their footsteps and be able to see life from their eyes and I, I think that really helps to bring greater understanding empathy and uh, really which will bridge gaps uh, between people so I think that like for people who may have a negative connotation towards people who are who are Muslim or um, you know, Arabic or, or Middle Eastern or what have you, I, I think seeing a movie like this, I think will help to open your eyes and help, help you to empathize with, with, with these kind of people and help you to realize they're not much different than you and me, that we, we have a lot of this, we, we've, we have some of the same desires and what we, what we want uh, from right. life and freedom and independence and, uh, and, and love and, and family, like, like a lot of the same priorities. And I, I think if people, if more people really took the time to, to uh, watch cinema and art from, and other forms of art from these countries that maybe we've been at war with in the past or that other, you know, like I, I think, or we've had odds or like problems with or whatever. Yeah. Then I think that we would have, um, we would have a lot less issues. I think we would have a lot more peace. We would have a lot more understanding. So I think that's, Something we should check out, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm excited. What's the, what's the title again? The Battle of Algiers. The Battle of Algiers. If you're listening out there, uh, check out the Battle of Algiers. We will be breaking down this movie in another episode. <laughs> I don't know when that episode will come up, but we will break down. We will use the entire episode to break down this movie. It should be super fun. Thanks, Jay, for the hit picks. May I also just add that Spike Lee, who I mentioned in the previous episode, is highly influenced by this film. Mm. And I think it's also another tie-in here, is Ooh. that, you know, yeah. really, like, Spike Lee's 
you know, work and, and really dealing with issues of race and, 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 you know, in America, uh, he, that he was, he, you know, he's definitely very influenced by this picture. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Ooh, the, save some of that. Save some of that for the breakdown episode. All right. Sounds good. Save some of that. Um, but to close, but to close, I, I just want to drive home the, the thought of, uh, if you're listening out there, the thought of what's normal for you may be an obstacle for others. And in order for us to move forward together and unify, we have to see, we have to, 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 to pull the veil up and we have to start seeing things for the way they are. Yeah. Totally. And looking for ways to change it, to impact, to uh, support each other. We have to support each other moving forward. And that's important. I'm going to read this passage uh, from Philippians 2. And then Carl, cue the music. It's Philippians 2, 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Thank you guys for listening.